Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price and I'm here with my co-host Greg Hockert. Greg, what did you think of the national championship game? It was okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think you were going to dive right into it like that. I don't I don't have my thoughts collected yet, but I will say I didn't watch very much of it. I'll yeah. be fully honest in that. Yeah, I only watched the first half. Once, once I saw UConn pretty much take a stranglehold on the game, I knew that it was it was it was pretty much over at that point. Yeah, we talked about I mean both of us said UConn was probably going to be the runaway favorite. Um the last podcast we recorded and surprisingly it it we were right. Yeah. San Diego <laughs> we State. We were actually right on something. And UConn. For the yeah, we were right for the first time in ever. For it feels like a while. No, um I UConn is just a really good team and uh, you have to have some things go your way in, in a tournament that's that large. And they did. Um, I don't know. Still would have still would have much rather seen Texas go up against UConn in that, in that Final Four game. Um, you know, we talked about how they blew it against Miami. Uh, and, and I think that they would have matched up a little bit better with UConn. It that would have been a better game. That would have been probably the national championship. Yeah, probably. The, I, mean, the, I mean, I know that they're on the same side of the bracket, but like, it it would have been the best game in the Final Four. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State was was, was really was good. Super, it was entertaining. I didn't watch actually the first half of that game. I only watched the second half, um, and then obviously the ending was incredible. Uh, and, and you know, you get in a you get. I think that was actually the first buzzer beater of the entire tournament. No, Furman. Furman beating Virginia was. So they, they hit that with like a s- two seconds left because Virginia still had time to throw it down the court. Okay, well, so it was like, well, but they were literally. <laughs> believe it or not, there are people that are more uh, degenerate than us, and 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 they there is there are bets out there that are like, will there be a buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament? That's an actual bet. I don't know what the odds were, but um, those people that bet yes were they were sweating it out until. The, the actual the final four game. Okay, so. that's fair. Well, I I, I know I kind of like put that on you really quick, but it wasn't the greatest game, so I figured we could just get it out of the way. Yeah, no, I mean UConn, their fifth national championship in uh, since I think their first they ninety nine to now two thousand twenty three, so five in in twenty four twenty five years is is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's be- it's it's better than any of the other traditional blue bloods have done. It's better than what they've done in the last twenty five years. So they honestly did it too, and and I know they obviously they had a couple of guys in their team that you know really stepped up in this tournament. But they didn't have. I just when I think of UConn, I think of Kimba Walker and I think of Shabazz Napier. Yep. I'm not really old enough to you know when I think of Ray Allen, I think of. Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Ray Allen. I don't think of Ray Allen on UConn, but um, those are the, the when I think of UConn, that's who I think of. And so uh, it's interesting. I guess this team kind of polar opposite from that was really not centered around one player, but more so was 
uh, collective effort. I think uh, they've got a really good coach, and I don't know. They were uh, they were the 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 most the closest to a blue blood that we had this year in the final four. Yep. Yep. Well, so that's that's exciting. Basketball season has officially come to a close. Everyone's way too early. Top twenty fives are already. Don't out. give me that. And if it's, you're putting out it's a way, if you're putting out a way too early top twenty five the day of or the day after the championship game, I just it's like an automatic unfollow for me. The, I don't want to see your the transfer portal is open for almost another month. Like nobody knows what's going to happen. And also <laughs> I saw a really funny one. I think uh maybe you sent this to me, but it was like it was a sarcastic way too early top twenty five where it just listed like all the blue bloods in the top. It was like Duke. North Carolina, Kentucky, one, two, three. And then it was like five, just a big 12 school. <laughs> and then seven was like your Big Ten champion. And it was like what actually will happen. It was like 18, like an overrated Big Ten team that will get bounced in the first round of the tournament. It was, it was actually pretty funny. I, I, if I could find it, I'd go down the list. But yep. it would take me too long to find it. Yep, that was, that was I did see the same thing. That was kind of funny. Um, but Greg, we, we have some news for the listeners. We are... We we have some news. Do you want to do you want to share? So maybe maybe not drop maybe not no. Drop, so but. Tanner and I want to, uh, being that we are covering Big Twelve sports, I think we're really excited to uh, get back into football season. Obviously, um, I know I'm already excited for football season. That's still months away. I mean, we still have it's baseball and softball season. It is baseball softball season. We will definitely be talking about both of those sports. Uh, we still have five months pretty much on the dot until football season so still a long ways out however now that the the first transfer portal came to a close the second one is about to open however we now have a pretty good outlook as to what um the roster makeup of a lot of uh of most of the big 12 teams will be for next year and so tanner and i are really excited to start getting into those uh teams and and previewing a little bit of what we may see this upcoming season and uh doing so we you know, we're not experts on every Big Twelve team. I don't think we want to be. I'd love to be, but I don't have the. We're, we're going to get the there. time. We're going to get there. I don't have the time of day to uh, to to know each roster inside and out, especially with uh, transfer portal, high school recruits, all the all the the, the changes that happen in an off season. So uh, we'll hopefully be having some guests on to uh, preview. Maybe not every school, but but as many as we can. Um, all the way up through uh, through the end of August. Yep, and even if some happen during the football season, then they can start reviewing games with us and talk about talk be, about their yeah. school. So yeah, that's <clears throat> that's what we're that's what we're gonna do, and we're really excited about that. We have two guests lined up that'll be coming on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. So we are, like I said, we're really excited for that. Okay, let's get into what we're gonna talk about today. So, Big 12 Baseball, Oklahoma State has moved up in the top 25 from 17th place last week, and they're, they're now in 16th um, this last week. So, this is what we're going to kind of do now is we're going to go through, just just like basically say uh, whether a team won or lost their series in the last week, because baseball and softball, instead of playing one team once or one team throughout a season multiple times, you typically will play... Uh, series, a three to four game series. Um, <clears throat> so Oklahoma State, they won their series last week versus Texas. They they pulled it out two to one. They won the rubber match in walk off fashion on Sunday. So that was 
That was good to see from Oklahoma State. Texas is also ranked 21, 21st. Uh, they were also ranked 21st last week. And like I just said, they lost their series to Oklahoma State 1-2. to two. Then we have Texas Tech at the 22nd position. They were 22nd last week, so they, they're staying, staying strong right there. They won their series versus TCU 2-1 uh, to one as well. And then West Virginia staying at 24 like they were last week. They beat K-State in their series 2-1. to one. I've got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So we've got uh, we've got a lot of Big Twelve teams in this uh, late teen and the tw- ranked in the twenties. We got we got four or five teams jammed in there. Is there a in your opinion? Is there a, a team that's separating themselves? Maybe uh, not a clear favorite because if there was, they'd probably be ranked a little higher. But um, a team that that you like heading into uh, the summer? There, okay. Th- this is tough because. Like, Oklahoma State was on a 12-game win streak, went into Lubbock, and Texas Tech won that series. And then Texas has been playing really well. They, they were also on a, on a, I don't know the game number, but they were on a pretty long win streak as well. They, and they, they've been unranked for most, these last two weeks is the first time they've been ranked. So they, they, they were playing well, and then they go into Stillwater and lose twice. So it's really difficult right now. I mean... Personally, as an Oklahoma State grad, like Oklahoma State is playing very well. I do have a lot of questions about uh, their relief pitching. That's that's honestly where they're they're losing games. Um, but all four of these teams in the well, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Texas Tech can all make a really really solid run. I I have questions about West Virginia, but those are all right. those three probably. All right. Um, then in softball, it's. Pretty pretty constant here. Oklahoma at the top. They swept their series this past week versus Texas. There was some beef about. I was going to about ask you coaches. about that. I was going to ask, and we have to mention too. So this was played in in Oklahoma City at the. I don't remember. Do you know the name of the park? It's, no, it's like it's. But it's, it's where it's where USA softball it's, yeah, plays. Yeah, Team USA's headquarters. Um, record crowd for a for any softball game, uh, collegiate softball game. I that doesn't record setting crowd. So th- that's that's really cool. Um, I mean, obviously it it I, I think was kind of considered neutral site, but OU you know yeah being the home virtual home team um, and the number one team in the country, and then yeah you you add the uh, the comments from Texas head coach earlier in the week and subtly not so subtly implying uh, that OU maybe maybe cheating a little bit. Um, I don't, not, not really talk about setting your team up for failure, man. There's, there's no lost love between OU and Texas, but there's also no lost love between the entire big 12 and Texas. So that's, that's just my, well, it was interesting because I think he, so he, he backtracked and, and we're not going to like rail on this guy cause he's been getting railed on all week by everyone. Um, but I just want to say one thing about it. He backtracked and started to say he was referring more to money and facilities and, and NIL and just all these things that OU had at their disposal that Texas didn't. Let's just take a step back. This is a, this is a Texas head coach talking about money. <laughs> yeah. No. The richest athletic program in, by far in the conference. Almost in the country. And almost in the country. And he's talking about money. Give me a break. <laughs> that Also, the school with the highest – or the not the, – Highest endowment that is a non-Ivy League university. 
Yeah, they're they're like, they they're, got some rich donors. Yes. Okay. All right. So OU sweep series versus Texas after Texas coach makes bad comments. That's what we'll sum that up as. It was close, though. There were a couple of games in there that were that, that Texas made it, it very close. So it wasn't like a um, – and it wasn't – I mean, a sweep is still, you could consider that a dominating fashion, but there was no um, run rule in right. these games. Right. Oklahoma State at two – they swept their series versus Incarnate Word. Not not the most difficult games, but they also won a single game versus Tulsa last week, so they're just staying strong. Pop quiz, do you know where the University of Incarnate Word is located at? Oh, gosh. I I had it. If, I, if I'm asking the question, you you, you got to know where it's located at. San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. There it is. Okay. My, my brother is actually at the <coughs> series, so. Okay, there we go. I, I, I figured it out. It took me a minute, but... Then we have Texas at 12. Last week they were ranked 10th, so losing that series to OU dropped them down two positions, but I'm sure they'll be okay. Baylor is at 24 this week. They dropped from 23 to 24 because they lost one game to Kansas, but still won the, won the series. So Is Kansas is Kansas that? No, Kansas that is not that. Well, Kansas is I was going to say Kansas is not that great at softball, okay, okay. which Oklahoma State plays or has has their uh, series versus Kansas this week in Lawrence. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. All right, Greg. So we talked about the end of the basketball season, which now that we are in 2023, uh, college athletics also at the end of the season brings on something that nobody likes. Well, some people may love it if you're Kansas State last year. Some people may hate it if you're uh, not a great team. So... We have the transfer portal opening, which it opened uh, right after con- uh, conference tournament play, correct? Yeah, which was really strange to me. They're going, this is not a, hey, I'm going to put insert insert opinion about transfer portal here segment. This is a, I think they really need to make a change with this. The transfer portal opened after conference tournaments. And so every team that didn't make a that didn't make the NCAA tournament, that didn't make the NIT, or in some cases declined their bid to the NIT, they were going to work already. I mean, those coaches were able to have conversations with their current roster about what their uh, about whether or not that player was going to be back, and then they were able to already go after players that were in the transfer portal. Whereas, I mean, you have the season just getting done on Monday, and and I mean, some of those teams. Know, graduating however many players, they, they won't have a chance to talk to guys until now, basically. So kind of a weird um, timing there. I don't like that very much. I think they're going to need to update that. Yes, but also being in the tournament, playing this far in, gets you some secondhand notoriety in the eyes of these players. Yes, yeah, I would agree with that, but I think that some of these guys, I mean, and you're already seeing it, some of these guys are in the portal for like three days, and so, I mean, you've got to be, you've got to be, and I've heard coaches talk about this, you've got to be on top of it. I mean, see the player pop, like, see the player's name pop in the in the portal, pull up some film, give the guy a call, see if he's even interested. I mean, a lot of these guys aren't even taking visits. I mean, it's just like FaceTime calls. Yeah, I have this FaceTime call set up with this school. You know, like that's the type of reporting that's being done right now. So it's it's a little it's a little weird, but um, let's go ahead and get into the departures because other than uh, I think one player, all we have are uh, departures for our respective Big Twelve schools. Which, 
every every Big Twelve school, I expect to pick up at least two two to three players, depending on who they are. So this and, is and how many they've lost too. Yes, yeah. So I fully expect this to be as as the transfer portal continues. We'll be talking more about commitments than departures, especially in basketball. I think if the majority of departures you'll see now, um, just because if you're gonna leave, you. you probably should do it yeah. now rather than later so yep so we'll start we'll, we'll go through alphabetically through the conference also um if anybody is listening and they want us to start talking about the four additions to the big 12 we could start doing it now talking about transfer portal departures but probably not many of our listeners know about those schools specifically besides houston because obviously they've they've been very good the last few years but if you would like us to start talking about those, Greg and I were talking about that before we started recording, and that's that's something that we're thinking about doing. So, All right, so we're going to start with Baylor here. Uh, Jordan Turner, a small forward, he is a junior. He has two years of eligibility left. He only played in seven games this year, so it's not, uh, not that big of a loss for Baylor. Then also, LJ Cryer. This, this one surprised me, Greg. This is the most. This is one of the more shocking transfers of uh, that, that's been announced. Really, not just in the Big Twelve, but in the country. Uh, L.J. Cryer was, was part of those um, that those three guards, that three guard combo from Baylor that many considered to be the strongest backcourt in the country. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's looking for. I mean, he's a starter. He was averaging 15 a game. He played in 31 games this year. He's still got a couple years of eligibility left. But, I mean, unless he's trying to, I mean, maybe get to a to a Duke, to a North Carolina, to, I mean, maybe a Blue Blood. Or he's yeah. just unhappy with this situation. I don't know what, what it may be. It, it could be for a variety of reasons. I guess we shouldn't, don't need to speculate on the reasoning behind it. But it is a shocking departure. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. It's It's surprising, to say the least. All right. Then Iowa State, we have Caleb Grill on here. That was this was kind of expected. He was dismissed from the team. Um, he started most of the year. He he's a senior, so depending on how uh, how he uses his COVID year and his grad transfer, he has one or two years of eligibility left. And then Eli King, who's a combo guard, he was a freshman this year, so he has three years of eligibility left. Only played in five games this year, so still still pretty fresh. Um, that's. That's basically it for Iowa State. You want to take Kansas, Greg? Yeah. You, you or some me, of Kansas. You gave me the mouthful. So Kansas has had the most departures. Basically, what is seemingly their entire bench <laughs> in the transfer portal. Uh, so uh, starting off, uh, MJ Rice. Uh, he's a, a small forward freshman, still three, year, three years of eligibility left. He was a, pretty sure he was an ESPN top 100 recruit coming out of high school. Yep. Um, and he played in a lot of games this year. He played 23 games coming off the bench. Uh, and then uh, another key contributor this past year to Kansas is Joseph Yesifu. is uh, a combo guard, junior. Uh, he played in 35 games coming off the bench. So uh, he was kind of like that sixth man for Kansas this year. Probably would have been a starter uh, next year had he stayed. But <coughs> Or um, most other places this year. Or Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he'll be a... He'll be a really good addition to to whatever school uh, he he ends up at, uh, and then getting further down the line, we have Zach Clements. Uh, he is a center. He backed up um, 
Oh my gosh, what's his name? We don't need to get into that. But he he, <laughs> he was, was the backup center. He was the backup center. Uh, he is uh, only a sophomore, so he still has two years of eligibility left. Uh, and then, uh, Tanner, you can take the last two. Cause... Yep. So then we got Bobby Pettiford, point guard. He has two years of eligibility left, and he played in 32 games coming off the bench this year. He, kind of like Joseph Yusufu, uh, played a lot, uh, has, has a good amount of experience. I think him being in the transfer portal, having Kansas beside his name is good for him. But also, you play in 32 games, and you're... You're not really putting up any points. You're, the bench is the reason that Kansas lost uh, and didn't make it to the finals again this year. So so that's that's something to keep an eye on. And then finally, Cameron Martin from Kansas. He's also transferred, but he's already committed to Boise State. So we're not going to go too in-depth on him. Then Kansas State. This one, this one and LJ Cryer really surprised me. Ismail Masood. He's a power forward. He hit a couple of huge threes in the tournament for them. Yes. Um, yeah, he was who I referenced uh, last week in, the, in that Elite Eight game. Guys that, I mean, given I watched a lot of Kansas State this year, I didn't watch them to the point to know, like, all right, this guy's a shooter or not. But when he was, he stepped out from, it was like a foot in front of the logo and hit one. Yep. Uh, yeah, that that caught me off guard. Yeah, no, he, he can definitely shoot the ball. He's he's listed as a power forward. I I'd call him a stretch four yeah. just because he can also shoot. Um, he has two years of eligibility left. He played in 32 games this year. I personally, I'm really confused. He, he seemed like a great fit at Kansas State, but the it, only thing I can think of is just capitalizing off of the kind of momentum that garnered that he garnered while being on this Kansas State team during this run. I mean, he was a, a huge part of their uh, tournament run, and maybe he's trying to. Uh, Bet you know, bet on himself. Turn yeah. that turn that into something else elsewhere, but can't really blame him. Then we're moving on to OU. We want to go through these kind of quickly for you guys because we don't want to we don't want to bore you and get in get into the weeds. Uh, OU Benny Schroeder. He's a shooting guard. He's only a freshman. He's actually from Germany. He played in six games coming off the bench this year. I'm not really sure. Um, I I'd have to imagine that if he stayed next year, he would. Probably get quite a bit of playing time, unless Porter Mosier told him that he was not going to get playing time. But Very likely possibility. Yep. And then C.J. Noland, um, don't really want to... With, with guys that have already committed to other places, we're not really going to talk about them too much. He's already committed to St. Louis University. Um, so, good for good for him. OU's... He played a little bit this year, not, not very much, though. So, you want to... And then we have uh, the podcast's favorite player, Bijan Cortez. <laughs> so this was the he was <laughs> he was a little mysterious this year with his uh, uh, his absence and then his his sudden, magical return, his departure, and then all of a sudden watching the Oklahoma State Oklahoma Big Twelve tournament game, and all of a sudden he's coming off the bench. So. Uh, I would say, if I had to guess, he's probably looking to transfer somewhere where he can uh, play and 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 start, score a little bit more. So I would expect maybe a, a mid-major type transfer there. Um, but still got great experience at the um, Power 5, Big 12 level. Um, and he'll still have two years of eligibility left. Um, and then I'm not going to lie to you, I can't pronounce Joe, that Joe Bamisil, I'm guessing it's... He's, I don't think he is French, but the last name is definitely French. He, he, you want me to take him? Sure. Go okay. For All right. He's a point guard. He has two years of eligibility left. He's a junior. Um, so just 
side note, if they're a junior and they played in the 2020-2021 season, not the one that was canceled, but the one after that, um, they do have an extra year of eligibility left, but it is up to them whether or not they use it. So one to two years, depending on how, how he uses it. He played in 21 games off the bench this year, so he, he played quite a bit, but didn't have a ton of production to go along with it. And then finally, OU had their fourth, fifth. They they tied Kansas for number of players. But this J- was just as of recent. Jalen Hill, he was actually, uh, he, I mean, he's a starter. I think he played probably every single game this year. Um, averaged about ten points a game. He'll have one year eligibility left. That's a huge loss for OU. I know that. I mean, anytime you lose a starter, uh, it, it it ultimately is a big loss. So. I think we'll really be looking at, obviously because of some of the production they lost, but I think we'll really be looking at OU and Kansas to see what type of players they're going to be able to land in the transfer portal. Um, and I, honestly, I'm very curious about what OU is, and what Porter Moser is able to do. Yep. And then moving on to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has had a single uh, transfer portal entry. Avery Anderson, he's a combo guard. He has one year of eligibility left. He's actually a grad transfer um, he played a lot, obviously, at Oklahoma State in his four years, and then he injured his, his wrist at the end of the season, didn't get to play a ton, or at all the rest of the season. So. And uh, his season was ended in uh, February, so it was kind of a bummer to see him uh, and, and his season end the way that it did, but uh, he's overall had a very successful career at OSU. He's averaged uh, double-digit points the last three years, so he'll be... It'll be a good addition somewhere. Um, I think it's more just finding the uh, finding a finding a good fit um, for the for the way he likes to play. He's very quick, very good defender. So yeah, yeah. It's this was probably best for both parties. Um, then we have TCU. I think we might have already mentioned this last week, but Eddie Lampkin has already committed to Colorado, and we talked about him too uh, almost a month ago. It feels like at this point. Um, when he announced, I think, that he was entering the portal. But he was also, in a similar way to Bijan Cortez, was dismissed, kind of stepped down. I don't. It was a little fuzzy as to what happened, but uh, was all of a sudden no longer with the team as of the conference tournament. Um, and like Tanner mentioned, he is committed to Colorado. Uh, then we have, we'll just go through these, uh, these next two. So P.J. Haggerty, I believe. Um, so... He's a highly rated guy. Um, didn't get a lot of playing time this year, um, but he, and and he's a freshman, so he's got a lot of eligibility left. Um, he plays that that uh, combo guard, shooting guard position. Um, you want me to get this one too? Yeah, you're the you're the <laughs> pronunciation expert. So Suleiman Dumbia, I'm probably butchering that, but he was a backup center this year to Eddie Lampkin, which is they're losing both their big guys, so that's that's kind of interesting. He is a junior, so he has one to two years of eligibility. He played in 21 games coming off the bench. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we have Shahada Wells. He's a point guard, and he was a senior this year. He played in 35 games. He was a yeah. He was big for them. Uh, he, he played a lot. I mean, he yeah. played a lot for them. Yeah, he's a three star. He's he not really sure again what he's what he's looking for where he's going to end up but he, probably to start i mean i don't want to you know i don't want to get too ahead of myself here but tcu brought in someone that i think uh yeah probably was going to take the place of mike miles yep and we will get to that here in a little bit then we move on to texas tech 
uh, Fardaz Amak. He played a, quite a bit at center this year at the end of the season. Um, he played he played pretty well. He's definitely a true seven footer. Kind of he doesn't move great, but he's I mean still definitely a rim protector. Then we have Robert Jennings, who's a power forward. He has three years of eligibility left, and he and he played in thirty games this year. So this could be more of a uh, I committed to one coach, and then he left, and. Yeah, and I guess I kind of take back. I mean, OU and Kansas obviously have had a lot of departures. Texas Tech might be the team that looks the most different next year, being that they do now have a new head coach, which I actually don't think we mentioned. Oh, crap. Yeah, we didn't. Um, do you remember his name? I, he's the head coach at North Texas. He's got uh, He's got some Texas Tech ties. Um, and there's been a handful of, of North Texas players that have uh, entered the portal, so maybe look for them to be transferring to Tech. Not all of them, I'm, I'm sure, but maybe one or two. Uh, North Texas actually won the NIT championship after beating Oklahoma State. Uh, Grant McGasland. Mc- McCasland. Okay. So uh, hopefully... Um, Hopefully they'll they'll I mean I'm sure they'll land some guys. Oh yeah, they'll they'll bounce back. And then KJ Allen, small forward, um, he ha- he has one to two years of eligibility left and played in 26 games this year. Provided some some decent production for them, but I like like you just mentioned, Greg. I think a lot of these a lot of these Texas Tech guys are with a coaching change. You're you're probably moving on. Then we have Elijah Fisher. He's a small forward. He played in 28 games this year as a freshman. He was a four-star coming out of four-star recruit coming out of high school. So probably a lot of upside for him. Feeling like he he can go uh, either get more touches somewhere or move move to a more truer blue blood. And then lastly, with West Virginia, though uh, they've had two players into the portal. We have Jamel King. It's a small forward. He's still got two years of eligibility left. Um, didn't play a lot. Uh, neither of these two entries from West Virginia did. Um, and then Josiah Davis. Uh, he is a point guard, but he he was a freshman this year, uh, so he still's got a lot of eligibility left. Three years. Um, he only played in six games this year, so not a lot of experience uh, lost by West Virginia, but just some uh, younger bench production. Yep. Yep. So that's that's everybody that's entered the transfer portal as of uh, April 4th. Also, we are recording a little early this week um, with Easter coming up this weekend, uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. So Greg will Greg will be out of town so on yep. Thursday, so we're recording this a little bit early. Um, okay, so that yeah, that kind of that kind of covers every transfer portal portal departure right now. What's up? Yeah, that that was a lot. Um, and hopefully, you know, I don't think we'll have to go through anything like that again. Um, that long at least. Uh, that was a lot of names and some I couldn't even pronounce. But um, no, I think honestly the rep the reputation of the Big Twelve. I think a lot of players will be uh, looking to compete uh, at the level that the Big Twelve ultimately is at. And so I think we'll be talking a lot in the coming weeks about some uh, transfer portal commits. We got one right now. Who is it, Greg? Uh, it's uh, Jameer Nelson. Isn't isn't he like? Isn't he old? Yeah, that dude's probably <laughs> probably forty-five. Now, Jameer Nelson Jr. Uh, transfer from Delaware, the son of Jameer Nelson, which if you guys don't know who that is, uh, played point guard at uh, St. John's, I believe. Yep. 
And then uh, played for the Magic for years. And I don't know he, what other he had a, teams... He had a long NBA career. I don't know what other teams he bounced around on, but he's most uh, notably known for his time on the Magic with Dwight Howard. That went to the finals. Went to the finals, lost to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. So uh, this is his son, uh, who, he put, like I said, he played at Delaware this year. He's still got uh, one or two years of eligibility left, depending on how he uses it. Um, I mean, he was... The guy for Delaware, uh, averaged over 20 points a game. So, Mike Miles is, I mean, he's a, that's a hard guy to replace. Um, But I I imagine that's what they're shooting for here with Jameer Nelson Jr. The pitch to him was probably, hey, we're losing X amount of production and we want to bring you in to ultimately fill that. Um, And and they, they think he can. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the play at a higher level. Um, but I have no doubt. I mean, if you're averaging over 20 a game, really at any, uh, at any division one school, um, you're, I mean, you can score, you can score the ball. So I think he'll think he'll be good, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I'm really, really excited for this pickup. Um, Jamie Dixon got a solid player. Like Greg just said, 20 points a game. I mean, that's that's a little ridiculous, if you ask me. You just, you, dude's a hooper. So that's really exciting for TCU, and I will be very interested to see who else they pick up to replace some of their big men. But that's pretty much all we got for for you guys today. Greg, do you have you got anything else? No, I don't. Uh, excited to have some, hopefully, some guests on soon and uh, mix it up a little bit um, and reach some different fan bases. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, that's that's all I really have. Yeah. Well, from the Round 12 podcast to you, we wish you guys a happy Easter, and hopefully you guys have a have a good Sunday. Maybe maybe ha- go on a nice egg hunt. Um, but yeah, I yeah hope everybody has a good Easter. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at around the 12. Sorry, that was a long pause. Um, I did. I just. I guess I forgot our handle. Um, but definitely DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We are looking for you guys to ask us questions and get more involved with the podcast. Um, hopefully, and hopefully we'll do that with the guests that we have on here shortly. But everybody, we thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>